Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com where you'll find the audio-only live stream, links to our podcasts, uh, social media stuff, links to the Common Sense Core, which is where you can support the show if you would like to uh, be a member of the Core and be part of the Cool Kids Club. That's uh, where you all go. And, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is uh, FM Translator. It is The Michael Luke Show. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? I'm, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of froggy. Feeling kind of froggy this morning. I'm um, ready to just kind of jump up and uh, and do whatever. I've got no guests today. Um, I was, uh, I tried to, you know, I, well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't try as hard as I could. Uh, short week, a lot of stuff on my plate. And uh, every time I'd go to think about the, you know, getting, trying to get a hold of another guest, I, okay, I'll do that in just a few minutes. And of course, then it was, you know, nine o'clock last night and I was laying in bed thinking, boy, I really should have uh, tried to book some guests today. But you know what? That's okay. Because I enjoy something I really enjoy. And, and I, I know I've said this before, but let me just reiterate. I love talking to you. I love talking to you Alaskans. I love seeing what you care about. I love, uh, you know, because it's easy for me to sit in a little four by eight square box and just talk about my feelings and whatever I'm thinking and, you know, the, the hot news of the day and give you my take on it. And that's all good. I mean, it's important. Don't get me wrong. It's my therapy. It's how I stay sane. But at the same time, I love to get your input on things. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe I feel like I'm uh, wrong. Maybe I feel sometimes like I'm, you know, maybe I don't know that I'm wrong. Maybe I need you guys to straighten me out on something or to tell me that I'm right. Because sometimes I feel like I'm right, right? Everybody believes me. Everybody agrees with me. And sometimes I need that vindication just as much as you do. But that's what today's about. Today is open line, open form. So any topic is fair game today that you would like to discuss. And so we're going to uh, we're going to throw the phone lines open this morning and do it right now. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150 this hour. The program being brought to you by your friends at Satellite West. Uh, the folks out there who have been sponsoring the show for, well, most of the last year here. Uh, and we appreciate them, uh, local uh, local folks caring about uh, local things. Satellite West, uh, the folks I deal with anyway, are uh, just amazing people, and they have got a full range of uh, technology to keep you connected, no matter where you are. Chicken to Chignik, <laughs> Chickaloon to Chattanooga, they have got a full. 
I know. I just I you Steve Agbaba, who is a radio legend in the state of Alaska. Now most people in the interior know who Steve Agbaba was. But he had this whole spiel where he would go through and basically like A to Z do like every place in a it was like a uh, like a, a a limerick or a mantra that he would go through. Uh, and one day I'll have to write all that down and get it all done because I could name every, you know, every area of the state. But uh, I'm just having fun doing it right off the top, top of my head. From Nanilchik to, N- to Nikiski. From Soldatna to Soldovia. It's the, it's the, I don't know, it's alliteration. I just love alliteration. I don't know why. I don't know what was one of those things. Uh, from At- uh, Antioch to Attigan Pass to Adak. Wherever you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West can keep you connected. Phone calls, emails, text messages, even surfing the internet, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Satellite West are the folks that you need to go talk to. Talk, uh, Check them out, SatelliteWest.com, proud sponsors of the program across the state of Alaska today. Thank you, my friends. Yeah, I should go see if I can. I, at one point I had, <clears throat> at one point, I, somewhere in my file cabinet, I have an actual printout of uh, the Steve Agbaba, uh, Do You Know, I think it's called Do You Know Alaska? I think is what he called it. Um, I'll have to I'll have to see if I can bust that out. See if I can find that one day. I I do have a copy of it in my. I have a file folder that's like old KFAR stuff. KFAR, of course, being one of the oldest stations in the state, and uh, and so they've got. Uh, I have a I have a file. I have files. It's one of the few that I have one file cabinet that I own. And there's a whole section in it that's nothing but old KFAR stuff. So I'll have to go back in there and take a look at it, see if I can find it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I dig it. So random, it's very random today. I mean, we're going to talk about some some news and some headlines and some politics, but we're not going to strict stickly with, we're not going to strict stickly with, we're not going to stick strictly with politics. <clears throat> Wow. We're not we're we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. And whatever you guys want to chit-chat about, I would love to hear what you have to say today. So, feel free to feel free to ring us up. Also, feel free to drop us an email if you're a little too shy and you don't want to get involved on the telephone because someone might recognize my voice or whatever, then drop me an email. Me at MichaelDukeShow.com. M-E at MichaelDukesShow.com. You can just drop me an email and we will uh, see what you have to say. Feel free to to do it. Feel free to to make it happen. And then finally, you can join us in the chat room, which is available over uh, over there on uh, uh, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Which Chris just said, wow, I did not realize that the Twitch audio sounds so much better than YouTube. So I've been, I'm simulcasting in all three simultaneously, but apparently some of them sound better than others. So that's where we, there we go. That's where it is. Um, all right. Uh, it was, uh, it's, it's good stuff. So headlines, headlines, who's got your headlines? Yeah, that would be me. That would be me. I've got your headlines. So remember when we talked a little bit about David Eastman's comments in the House uh, Judiciary Committee 
um, when uh, he got all up in uh, got all up into the questioning and asked a question that just sounded wrong. Um, well, apparently I wasn't the only one that was scratching my head over why he would ask a question that way, right? Why would he ask a question that way? Um, and, um, apparently I wasn't the only one who was a little like, you know, I was just almost as, I know what he was trying to do. And, and, and in fact, in the original story, uh, Sarah Vance, uh, said something about, you know, that this is that abortion supporters have said terminating a pregnancy could be a better option than raising a child in difficult circumstances. Uh, she said, that's, that's, she said, that's what many people have said. Now, her saying that is different than what, is different than what, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but said in a different way. And I've said this for years on the program. Words matter, right? Words matter. You're, you're always trying to, um, in, in, in your conversations with other people, you should always be trying to win friends and influence people, right? I mean, you should always, if you're trying to make an argument with logic, rhetoric, and reason, right? The Socratic method, you should always, then you should always have, you know, logic on your side. You should always have good sound reasoning on your side, but the rhetoric part, and rhetoric is not, uh, today, rhetoric is almost a bad word, but in the, in the terms of logic, rhetoric, and reason, it was a persuasive argument for what you're doing. And to me, this is part of David Eastman's problem. That while I agree with a lot of his points of view, it is the way that things get said that affect people and can win people, sway people to your argument. In some ways, I get the feeling that Eastman is like, um, he doesn't really care if people agree with him or not. That he's got his stand and he's going to do it. And if they don't agree with him, then, you know, kind of they're they're dirty so-and-sos. But you didn't attempt to persuade them into your side of the, into your side of the argument. You didn't attempt to pursue, you're just kind of throwing stuff out there. I mean, whether it was the comments that he was censured for before, which was that, uh, well, Native women are just getting pregnant so they could fly to Anchorage, get a free plane trip to have an abortion. I mean, that was just like, dude, dude. I mean, you, (laughs) words matter. Words matter. And alienating people from your viewpoint because of the way you give that viewpoint is not helping the cause. Well, apparently... I wasn't the only one who was slightly shocked um, and uh, dismayed by his comments because the Alaska House of Representatives, for the second time, has now censured David Eastman yet again. Yesterday, there was a censure vote for his comments during the House Judiciary Committee meeting. The censure vote was 35 to 1 with Eastman as the sole no vote. And the censure is basically just, it, it has no consequences. It's basically taking the temperature of the of the body and saying, we believe this. It's a formal statement. And a censure is a formal statement of disapproval for the actions of a legislator. 
Now, I know that there's going to be people who are probably already in the chat room now rushing to defend him and that he was right that uh, because he said, well, this is against the rules of the legislature and and quite possibly so. But if you could stand there and say that the way that he made that argument during the House Judiciary Committee meeting was appropriate and persuasive, I mean, I'd really like to hear your argument on that. Because while I understand in hindsight and in retrospect what he was trying to say, especially with the fact that Sarah Vance later on said, again, talking about uh, here's Vance is in a portion. This is from the news. This is from the news, uh, daily news. Vance and a porn uh, uh, Vance, an abortion opponent, said she could not speak for Eastman. But she believed he was trying to make a pro-life argument. Now, I agree. I think that's what he was trying to do. But in his, I mean, I, I think that's probably what he was trying to do. She said many people consider abortion to be child abuse. Well, yeah, it's the ultimate. You killed the child. That's pretty abusive. She said, but that abortion support supporters have said terminating a pregnancy could be a better option than raising a child in difficult circumstances. Now, that's essentially what Eastman said, but she phrased it in such a way that it makes that that, that argument, again, makes more sense and is m much less offensive. And I know people are like, oh, the snowflakes are getting offended. They shouldn't. Words do matter. I mean, I'm not saying like, hey, I don't like your opinion and they get all butthurt. I'm talking about the way you said that was probably not really great. In fact, it sounded real. The benefit of killing a child is the benefit to society in dollars and cents is that we saved money because that child was killed. That's mm, that's just not how you. And I think this is part of the problem. With Representative Eastman. Again, I agree with a lot of his policies. I agree with a lot of his positions. But it is the way you say it that makes the whole, it's a holistic thing. You can't just be like, well, he's got good opinions. He says it crappily, but he's got good opinions. But if you're going to try and persuade people to come to your side, you've got to be persuasive. You've got to have logic. You've got to have reason. You've got to have the rhetoric down to understand and how to persuade people. Maybe that doesn't matter to some people. Maybe they just don't care. I mean, obviously, he's doing something right. He's been reelected three times, right? He's doing good there. So his people, you know, he obviously in, in small groups or in one-on-one -on -one when he's talking to constituents to ask them to vote for him or whatever, he's doing something right. But sometimes he just steps in it verbally. It's It's crazy. Uh, the worst part is, is that in a lot of ways, he, he'll step in something like this and then he'll be like, almost, it's almost martyrdom. Like, oh, look, they're trying to attack me again. Well, it's because you said something stupid or you said something in a stupid way, in an offensive way. You may have blurted out, you know, something that was the truth or partially the truth or your perception of the truth, but you've done it in a way that you've basically offended everyone. And now you're shocked? Shocked, I tell you. 
that they are upset with you. They just want to pick on me. Well, no, because you, you, you got to learn to talk better, man. You got to learn to make your arguments in a persuasive way. You've got to learn to, you know, work with people and, and kind of come at them from their perspective and be able to craft your argument in a way. I mean, I, I sell things, right? I mean, I'm a, I do advertising and I, I do sales and I'm trying to create messages and write copy for people. And I'm trying to find a way to be persuasive to the people who are listening or to the client or whatever. I've got to understand them where they're at and craft an argument or craft a message that resonates with them. You can't just be like, buy my crap because I've got to eat. Buy my crap because I know that you really kind of want it, but I got to eat and your wife will never know. Go ahead and buy it. You can't put a message out like that, but that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the direction that this is going. Shocking. Shocking, I know, that he was censured, right? I mean, not really, but... All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Radio. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Excuse me. Frog in the throat. Let me go back. Uh, let me go back here. Uh, good morning. Remembered it was trash day. <laughs> Nothing like trying to sprint down the driveway in that in the driveway, towing a trash bin and Crocs at 555. I've done that right before the show because my son forgot to take the trash out and I'm out there in my slippers or whatever trying to get the trash can to the down to the thing and what did we ever do before we had trash service i guess we hauled it all to the dump that was it that was a thing good morning bill traveling back to alaska somewhere over colorado um can't think of a z place i don't know if there is a z place somewhere around here um you know there is a y place obviously yakutat uh, but I don't know if there is a Z place in Alaska. Um, I wonder if they have a recording of him doing it. He was a legend. Steve Agbabish, who he's talking about. Um, okay, well, I guess Eastman got censured. Yep, 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 yep. So what does that mean? No bathroom privileges? No, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a sense of the house. It's just a way of saying, you were a bad boy. And we are upset with you. Um, evidently, he was making a mockery of pro-abortionists, says Hawk. Well, I think he was attempting to. Unfortunately, he made a mockery of people who were trying to mock the argument of the pro-abortionists. That's the problem. I mean, I can understand what he was trying to say. I think Sarah Vance said it better. And that's the thing. You, you know, there was a different way to go about it. Um, I mean, it's just words don't matter to the Muppet in chief. That's true. I mean, some people can just say anything. 
But if you are trying to persuade people to your side, then uh, words do matter. I don't think Eastman knows the concept of persuasion. <clears throat> yeah. Eastman is just the unwanted redheaded stepchild of the Republican Party. Well, again, some of the, a lot of that, Chris, is self-inflicted. That's what Chris said. Chris said that. A lot of that is self-inflicted. Uh-oh, didn't have the live stream on. Somebody just texted me and said no live stream. It's because I forgot to push the button. All right. And no, live stream's on. There you go. Sorry about that. I forgot to push the button this morning. Um, but, I mean, a lot of that is self-inflicted. Yes, you're right. Redheaded stepchild of the Republican Party. A lot of it's, you look back at the, point the finger and look back at the three that are pointing at you. That's, a lot of that's that. Um, he took a valid point, chewed it up, and spit it out in the most clumsy and idiotic way possible. That's what I'm saying. It's not that the that the point wasn't valid. Just like I said, just like Sarah Vance said, you know, again, kind of phrased the whole thing the same way. It, But words do matter. And yes, I know you can stand up for him, and, uh, but words matter in this day and age. Um, he was given a chance to apologize and or explain. He chose to get mad over and argue his point of order. That's the thing. People who just cannot fathom that they may have been in the wrong. Um, and then, of course, a lot of his supporters will do exactly the same thing. It is what it is. They'll argue that it doesn't matter because he was right. Okay. I mean, you could take the W and alienate everybody, or you could learn from it, learn how to craft your argument, learn how to persuade people uh, on your side. People are like, oh, that just, I shouldn't have to do that. That's life, baby. You got to persuade people in every walk of life, but it's just, you know. And yes, Jeffrey Coghill says, that's why I couldn't be in politics. I'm a bit plain spoken. Right. Some people, they just don't, they're not, then it's not, they don't care to persuade. They just want to say what they want to say and then move on. And that's fine. Some politicians are like that, but don't cry about it when it happens, I guess is what I'm saying. Don't, don't be shocked that somebody's upset with you. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. All right. <clears throat> so, it's open line, open form today. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Uh, I just, I kind of wanted to go over this. Uh, but I also wanted to get your take on it, Right. Tell me what your thoughts are. I mean, am I am I right? Am I wrong? And for those of you who haven't actually heard, I, I, I'm reticent to play the audio uh, simply because I don't want to feel like I tried to sensationalize it. But I want to give you a perspective of what is, I want to give you a perspective of what was actually said so that you can wrap your brain around it instead of just, you know, me interpreting it and letting you, you know, I'm going to play it. I was not going to play it, but I'm going to play it because I think, again, I don't want my interpretation of it to necessarily be the only, you know, if you haven't heard it, you have no idea what was said. You know, it's paraphrased or whatever. 
I'm going to play it one last time <clears throat> so that you can comp, you know, so that you can hear it. And then you can call if you want to call in and talk about it. At least we all have a common frame of reference. So we know where it is. This is available on gavel to gavel. This is not like it's some kind of secret audio, but, um, I just don't want to infer something. <clears throat> if you haven't heard the audio, I don't want it, my inference or my interpretation of it to be. So I'm going to play the audio one more time. This is David Eastman, in-house judiciary, with the folks from, um, it's not Alaska Child and Family. It was in front of, uh, um, I'm trying to remember who, uh, it's in front of Trevor Stores, who's president and CEO of the Alaska Children's Trust. He's testifying in front of the committee about the dangers and the uh, uh, of child abuse and the cost, the you know the cost to the state of child abuse and things like that. And so he's there as their, uh, I guess, the testifier, their guest, sitting in front of the committee. And Eastman asks the question. So, I guess, listen closely. And then see if you think I'm off base, uh, if you haven't heard it. So here it is, one last time. Follow-up. And um, how would you respond to the argument that I've heard on occasion where, um, you know, in the case where child abuse is fatal, it, obviously it's not good for the child, but it's actually a benefit to society because there aren't needed for government services and whatnot over the whole course of that child's life. Through the chair, can you say that again to say a benefit for society? Um, talking dollars. Now you've got yes. a, a $1.5 million price tag here for uh, victims of fatal child abuse. Um, it, it gets argued periodically that it's actually um, a cost savings because that child is not going to need any of those government services that uh, they might otherwise um, you know, be entitled to receive and, and need based on, you know, growing up in this type of environment. Through the chair, uh, Representative, I guess that would be the idea, if I can use a really bad analogy, when you hit somebody, always back up because uh, it's cheaper to insurance. I don't pertain to that, and I'm really, uh, I'm not even sure how to answer that, that there's a cost saving to, uh, to the death of a child. The impact that that has on a family and us as a society when a child is lost, especially to child abuse and neglect, is unmeasurable. So, um, again, I can, I, can, I can see where he is trying to go. I mean, but first of all, nobody ever made the argument in that way. Nobody ever made the argument that, well, you know, that child being abused and killed to death is a benefit to society because they not, they didn't do it quite in that way. Again, Sarah Vance's comments that there have been, um, you know, that uh, abortion supporters have said terminating a pregnancy could be a better option than raising a child in difficult circumstances. They're kind of saying the same thing, but in different ways, right? One is a benefit to society to just, maybe he's just trying to blatantly, maybe he was trying to shock. Maybe it was the, maybe he was going for the shock value um, or trying to just blatantly lay the words. People were offended. Obviously he got the shock value down. Uh, there have been people who have made the argument that terminating a pres uh, pregnancy killing a child 
is a better option than raising a child in difficult circumstances. I don't know about the financial fiduciary aspect of it, but they have, I have seen that argument before that they are better off. But again, it's the way you, unless he was again, doing it all intentionally in, in it to, to shock and awe and to, to shine the spotlight on the issue. But again, if you're doing that shock and awe thing, are you winning people to your argument? Because you, you shock and awe is going to do nothing but agitate and anger people. Now, sometimes, occasionally, that will work to get people motivated to do things. But when you've got everyone angry at you, 35 versus one on this censure vote, everybody's angry with you then maybe that's not the, that maybe you're not motivating. Maybe you're not, you know, you're agitating instead of motivating. But then don't act shocked when everybody's upset with you, when you know you went in there with kind of the scorched, verbal scorched earth policy and said something like that. Just acknowledge that it, I could have said it better. I'm sorry. I could have said it better. I was trying to make the argument about what people say it's better to terminate than to, Try and raise a child and put pressure. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I just misspoke. You know, sometimes you screw up. I mean, just to own it and move on. Or get stuck in the, I guess, get stuck in the martyrdom, the martyrdom complex and do that. I mean, if you, if, you know, and you're given the, if you're given the opportunity to apologize, then do it. And quit taking away the focus from the actual work that the legislature should be working on right now, which is we need to get a budget figured out. We need to get a fiscal plan figured out. We need to get all these things figured out. And this personal infighting, you know, kind of you're you're it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Um, Anyway. <clears throat> I would love to um I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. Now that you've actually heard it, um and now that you can, you know, have thrown it out there, let me know. Can I confirm that Sarah voted in support of the censure? I don't know. There's no vote list here. There were 35, so 36 out of 40 voted. I don't know who the four were that were absent. Um, but 35 out of 36 voted in favor of the censure. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know who voted for what, cause I, I, I don't see the censure list and there's no link to the, uh, there's no link, um, to the, uh, um, uh, to the, uh, vote itself. I'm sorry. So, okay. Um, but maybe somebody in the chat room can confirm whether or not Sarah uh, Vance voted in favor of the censure or not. I mean, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Again, the censure means nothing. The censure, all the censure means is you were a bad boy and were displeased with what you did. No other, no other ramifications to that. So, um, I guess that's the first story. So feel free to give us a call if you want to talk about this, 907-433-3150. Or if you want to talk about movies and books and good television shows, we can talk about that as well. 
Uh, if you want to talk about anything that's going on, you want to talk about the bus driver strike or what's going on in Anchorage. Oh my God, Anchorage is like a Anchorage is like a modern day version of as the world turns. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. I mean, it is insane what's going on down in Anchorage. Uh, attorneys, gag orders, uh, uh, depositions, uh, subpoenas for information, and he said, she said, and accusations flying all over the place. And the people in Anchorage are just like, oh, I'm exhausted. I mean, I've talked to a few people who are just like, I, this is crazy crazy what's going on down there um anyway we'll t- we can talk about whatever you guys want to uh, uh chat about in the news also of course is uh yesterday's speech uh in front of the legislature by uh senator lisa murkowski 20 years she's been in the senate 20 years since she got appointed by dad to fill the seat and fulfill the Murkowski legacy. Um, She came in and quite surprisingly, I uh, found myself agreeing with a lot of the points that she was making here. Although at the same time, there was some hypocrisy even in her comments on what was going on, talking about bringing home the bacon, uh, so to speak, and everything else. But she did have some uh, she did have some interesting points to make, and we're going to get into that here in just a moment. Yep, we're going to talk about that here in just a hot minute. We'll be back. Uh, Lisa Murkowski's comments. And again, phone lines are open. I would love to hear what you have to say on any topic my favorite part you guys can't deny me my favorite part man we'll be back the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, I gotta get caught up in the chat room because I'm way behind. Um. Maybe he should attend Dale Carney classes on how to win friends and influence enemies. Not a bad thing. Uh, Chris says the root of the whole issue is the hypocrisy of the double standard. He made a poorly worded statement, but where is the other side? Um, I. <sighs> the problem is it gets to a point to where when all you want to do is is, uh, you know, beat the drums of war. You shouldn't be surprised when that's, you know, when you're you're not trying to win friends and influence of people. You're just trying to stand on that hill and die on it. That's pretty much it. Kevin says we have rules of decorum inside our committee rooms and on the floor. Andrew Gray also violated those rules with his special order. Well, should he be censured? You know? Um, 
Terry says, I don't care about the comment he was, I don't care about the point he was trying to make. It was the most disgusting, uh, disgusting comment I've ever heard. I wanted to throw up. Um, Chris said he heard basically the question, how would you respond to the argument that I heard? That, well, again, I've never heard the argument put that way. So I would say that that really wasn't, I mean, it was almost like a, a straw man, right? thing um but again if it had been phrased in a in a slightly different way yeah you're right that could have that you know um uh let's go over here um what the hell man it needs to go viral and let the public jack him up uh richard was shocked by the audio apparently he hadn't heard it and he says, wow, that's horrible. It needs to go viral and let the public jack him up. Ridiculous. Well, it's got, it has something like 1.4 million views now on social media. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know. Willie says, much ado about nothing. Move on. Okay. All right. I mean, that's. Um, I'm sure. Whoa. My whole screen just flickered. Uh, if it sure doesn't, uh, it sure doesn't anger anyone when mothers kill their children's happens when mothers kill the children's happens every day. No, I mean it angers me. I mean again, I understand the point he's having. You know. Anyway, uh, uh, David has been excluded thirty-five to one. He has nothing to lose if actions ensure his re-election. He should expect more censures. He wasn't excluded. Oh, 35. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, I guess he was in that too. Um, uh, Mike, admit it. Commie libs hate you as much as David, but he holds an elected seat. Everybody hates me. I got Republicans that hate me. I got, liber I got liberals that hate me. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't care. Hate all you want. I'm trying to make valid arguments about things that matter to me. I, it's why I don't belong to one side or the other. Because most of them, you know, together, collectively, they're all knuckleheads. It's individually that I want to deal with. Two million views on Fox yesterday. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, this debate, uh, Bill says, no, Willie. This debate is at the core of why conservatives keep losing every battle that matters in Alaska. In Alaska. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um have you seen the four gauge pump four gauge pump shotgun Russian shown on Grand Thumb? I have not. Have you seen the four gauge pump shotgun Russian? Must be a Russian pump shotgun shown on Grand Thumb, which is a YouTube channel. No, I have not. I missed the first 30 minutes of audio. Do you have a link to the audio? The link goes up after the show, Jerrica. Uh, but with Facebook, you should be able to rewind. You can start from the beginning. You can back up. It's got live rewind on it. Or YouTube, one of the two. Either one has got live rewind. So feel free to just jump in there and back up and hear all the nonsense. All right. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm down. To, I got to the I got to the bottom of the uh, I got the bottom of the list here. 
Um, some members of the school board need papers served for promoting pornography, a Class C felony. I mean, that's kind of an interesting point, especially because, you know, they're all sensitive about we can't read these topics in a public forum, but you want to give them to our children to read in the dark, in the darkest night. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that that pretty much that pretty much uh sums things up in a nutshell. Jeffrey says, where is the good news? It's funny you should ask that. I have a batch of good news to go over today. Uh, in the end, our Mason's Manual's rules specifically outlines a legislative body's freedom to express self-collectivism. Okay, you read that comment on your own. I got to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. So where were we? Uh, oh, hey, we were talking about the comments in front of the uh, legislature as a whole yesterday by Senator Lisa Murkowski. And I read this story from four four different news outlets, I guess, this morning to try and get different perspectives and takes on it. Because I certainly didn't have time to sit down and re and watch the whole hour worth of comments, and uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting to see. But I have to say that surprisingly, a lot of things that Murkowski was saying made sense. Um, some of it, I admit, seems to be a little hypocritical, but overall. It it seemed to make it seemed to make sense. So um, let's kind of go through it. Um, we'll start with the we'll start with the ADN article on this. The Lisa Murkowski urged Alaska lawmakers to stem the tide of out migration by investing in transportation, resource development, and child care, among other areas, in a fiery speech to the legislature. On Wednesday, <laughs> she called it the tough love part of her comments. She said, "May I maybe didn't stay in my lane. <laughs> she said after spending much of her hour-long address instructing lawmakers on state policy proposals. Because she's got a vision for the state. Now, the problem is, is that I don't necessarily disagree with some of her vision. <laughs> um... Anyway, her top priority, she said, was ensuring that the legislature includes in its budgets funds needed to secure federal dollars. She said she was, you know, she was instrumental in bringing $300 million from the U.S. Department of Transportation to the Alaska Marine Highway System through federal infrastructure bill. But to qualify, the state has to promise to provide millions of dollars in its own budget. Now, Governor Dunleavy, of course, 
is proposing using a novel and untested approach to apply federal credits toward the state matching grant. There's a there's a federal toll credit program um, and it's never been tried. And I guess all they could say is no. And then we'd have to appropriate the money anyway. So I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. But. She goes uh, during the she told reporters during her speech, she says, I'm going to do something that I typically wouldn't do. Usually you send the federal resources and you step away. I want to make sure that these dollars that are on the table in the five year infrastructure bill are going to be there to help support the marine highway system. This is an opportunity. This is our shot. Let's not screw it up. Okay. All right. I mean, I understand. You got the earmarks. You went through all the chin wagon to get it done. Now you want them to support and do that. And I understand that. Um, so she talked a lot about the marine highway system and how it needs to be done and the importance to Alaska and everything else. And of course, that was fantastic. Louise Stute said her speech was fabulous, but some of the other conservative members were, you know, were not as swayed. House Majority Leader Dan Sadler said she didn't say you must do this. She said, I heard the conditional voice. I didn't hear any directive. She's smart enough to know she can't make us do anything. My God, nobody can make you guys do anything. Are you kidding me? Even with chastisement, you can't do anything. But here's where it got interesting because I started to I started to agree with some of the things that she was saying. Murkowski, the senior member of Alaska's three-member congressional delegation, cited out-migration and Alaska's poor economic performance. We are at or near the bottom among all U.S. states. Not so, not just in educational outcome, but in economic performance, we're at the bottom of the barrel. Okay, she said. She said she cites those two things as major problems that demand big, big visions. She said Alaska cannot settle for being 49th in anything but statehood. The solution, she said, requires lawmakers to look past the size of the permanent fund dividend, which has preoccupied legislators for years and sometimes prevented them from taking on more ambitious policy ideas. Now, here's where I'm going to disagree because her argument is going to basically be, and I think her implication was just take the PFD, cap the PFD, do whatever, but move on. I mean, I agree that we need to move on from the PFD. We just disagree on what should be done with that. I believe the PFD belongs to the people. And the government should live within its means. But again, she's a federal senator. And so they've got they've got no qualms taking money from everybody and spending money they don't have. Um, she said, if this legislature spends the whole 33rd legislative agenda focusing on how much Alaskans are going to be getting for a permanent fund dividend, we miss everything. Well, the thing is, they really haven't talked much about the dividend. We've been talking about the dividend on the outside. All they've been talking about is what they want to spend money on. All they've been talking about is BSA and defined benefits and child care, you know, federally or state subsidized child care. That's all they've been talking about. Um, those big visions that Murkowski alluded to for solving the state's ailing ec- economy and shrinking population could include an extension of Alaska's railway to Canada, which is a plan that dad came up with frank murkowski came up with it was 11 billion dollar plan um she said if we give up if we stop dreaming if we stop pushing the big things just because we know somebody's going to object or litigate we're going to drive and blow away that's not the alaskan spirit 
I mean, I would agree that some of the money should be used to help because we still don't have full infrastructure in this state, right? If there's one thing that I believe government should be focusing on, it would be infrastructure in the state. And that does mean roads and rails and things like that. I mean, in pipelines, you know, whatever it is to get things so that we can get access to the infrastructure. She goes on to talk about the lack of gas production and then how she's going to cringe uh, because we're going to have to import gas from British Columbia instead of, you know, accessing the 17 trillion cubic feet of natural gas up on the North Slope because, you know, um, it the, the whole thing is she urged lawmakers to focus on work development, housing and child care amid statewide shortages that are hampering the state's economy. Again, this is where we part ways. Workforce development, housing and child care. Those are things that if you get government out of the way, if you get the regulatory burdens out of the way, if you got the licensing burdens out of the way on some of these things, those things would take care of themselves. You don't need government to come in and take care of child care and, you know, work. I mean, people are going to hire and they're going to train their own workers. We don't necessarily need to throw millions of dollars that we just need to get government out of the way of that. So, I mean, I'm, that's my humble opinion. Uh, she said, we cannot be a place where people spend part of their lives only to, because she's talking about the military now, we cannot be a place where people spend part of their lives only to pack it up and leave because they don't see a future for them and their family or watch as the kids that we raised leave here and never come back. Alaska needs to be a place where people want to move to and want to stay because they have good jobs and they support their families and they have a good place to live and they have good schools, blah, 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 blah. Again, this is all an argument for living within our means. All of those things could happen if the state government and the politicians could learn to live within their means. Uh, and they'll, although I did have to give kudos to Dan Sadler uh, on the backside, Sadler questioned Murkowski's, uh, Murkowski's efforts to bring large federal sums to the state because she the earmarks, she talked about the earmarks that they got and everything else, which she knew that some people are going to be mad about, blah, blah, blah. But he makes a good point. He questioned Murkowski's efforts to bring large federal sums to the state, even for projects broadly seen as critical, amid concern from congressional Republicans over the federal debt limit. He said, how does this end for the federal government to continue spending money? She said the federal government has some hard decisions to make. She may have been speaking somewhat to herself when she was telling us that we have to face hard truths. That's a federal issue as well. And that's the thing. N nobody seems to want to face those hard truths. A handful of legislators, but nobody, nowhere near a majority. Nobody really in the leadership of these bodies wants to face the hard truth. The hard truth is... You can't continue to spend more money than you take in and expect it to end well. That's the hard truth. The hard truth are the basic maths, the arithmetic. It does not work out. And that's both at the state and the federal level. You want to know why there's an out-migration? Because they have been fighting for years over the size of the dividend. The state government has been run in an inept fashion they have continued to spend more money than they've taken in, and that creates a tremendous amount of uncertainty in a state, and economies are based completely on consumer confidence. It's all tied together, folks. 
economies are built on consumer confidence. And when you are a Hoover sucking up every available dollar in the room and then vacillating back and forth publicly uh, in the legislature saying, well, will it be this? Will it be that? And doing all these things, all you're doing is shattering and shaking and you're you know rattling the table of consumer confidence the whole time. And people are like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to go to another place where I can at least know what my tax is going to be. And what the th- I mean, I'm just going to go somewhere else. The whole thing is based on consumer confidence. And they just can't see the forest for the trees. They just know better than you somehow to spend that money and create those things. And the government is the answer. They haven't figured out yet that no government is the problem, especially with all that uncertainty. That's the problem. All right, well, hour two's dead ahead. I don't know if the phones are broken or what, but you're welcome to call in. 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. If you're not coming back for hour two, we will see you in just a few. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm just I'm reading everything here in the chat room. Bill says Sadler is a snake. Well, I mean, like I said, I even I have to give credit where credit's due. At least he called some of the pouchois. You know what I mean? Lisa would spend the corpus if she could, says Bill. That's possible. Follow the law and move on. At least drunken sailors stop spending when they run out of money, says Kevin. I mean, right? That's I mean, that's the state. At least, thank God, the state of Alaska does not have the ability to print currency. Cause if so, oh man, would we be would we be in trouble? See my new t-shirt my daughter got me for Christmas. Just showed up. Yeah. I like it. It's critical role, critical role. Um, thank you, Lisa. You are the you were one of the biggest reasons we're 49th. Your rhino politics have screwed Alaska. I mean, there's a, definitely there is some hypocrisy and some irony in some of her comments, but she's not wrong when she says we need to stop focusing on the PFD. She's just wrong in what we should do with the PFD to stop focusing on it. I think she just would she would just ascribe that, well, you just take it and spend it as you see fit because you, the legislature, are the nouveau riche nobility and you understand how these poor, poor peasants need to have their money spent. While we're arguing that, hey, that's our money and you probably should give it to us and that would help the economy if you just get out of the way and stop focusing on it and fiddling around with it every year, you guys could actually get on to true governance. You know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, um, 
The state of Utah legislature meets for 45 days per year, has zero legislative aids, spends substantially less on education, and has substantially better results. I know. I know. Is it Texas or Tennessee that has the bi- has the biannual or Wyoming? I can't remember. It's one of one of those has a their legislature only meets every two years. I mean, right? Uh, the Alaska legislature will not fix the education system. Fix the education system, you'll fix the out migration. Yeah. Well, it's you know. Um. Our elected officials need to stop focusing on the PFD and follow the law. Yeah. They should just follow the statute. Texas. Thank you, Donna. Texas is the one with the biennial. Biennial or biannual? I don't. I can't remember which one those. I can't remember which one of those is right. Every two years, not twice a year. That would be by. That would be biannual, right? Biennial is every two years. So there you go. Um, Donna's fixing me again. Biennial. Um, see, you guys all learned something today. Biannual, biennial. They sound the same, but they're not. Um, but yeah, elected officials need to stop focusing on the PFD and follow the law. But they just can't keep their mitts off that big, juicy pot of money. So good. It's all I want is that I want to get my hands in there. I want to roll around like Scrooge McDuck and all that money because we know better than you how to spend it. That's the that's the idea anyway. Um, all right. Where are we at here? Uh, we're about 90 seconds here from a start. Oh, two minutes from a start. Oh, but we have a line on hold. The phones actually do work. I was getting worried. Uh, let me go over here and get this caller's name so that we can start the program with him here in just a minute. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are you there? Oh, I'm sorry, caller. That's my fault. This is Brady from Vegas. Hey, Brady from Vegas. Uh, if you want to hold the line, we can talk with you here in just a hot second. We're going to start the show here in about uh, just just about two minutes. So don't go anywhere. So Brady from Vegas is on the line. Okay. All right, we're gonna start off with that. That should be, that should be fun. Let's uh, let me go back over here. Um, okay, uh, I guess that's it. I'm all caught up in all the comments. Did I miss anything good? But it's a unicorn tax to grow government. We all know that is good. Uh, it's a unicorn tax. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, everywhere they have implemented this carbon credit crap the price of energy has tripled well i mean that's the thing i think this carpet credit thing and even mike shower yesterday was like this is you know he's very cautious on this because i think this is just pie in the sky uh and there's again no real track record or provable things and yet the governor has baked it into his budget as if it's a guaranteed you never bet on the if come my grandfather used to say never bet on the if come um that's the Potential income is if come, right? Uh, okay. I think that's it. I think we're all I think we're all squared away here. Nebraska has a unilateral legislature and passes budgets every two years. They don't have a House and Senate playing games with each other. Well, 
Just one more example of where we need to go. All right, folks, we got to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the the michael dukes show the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me what more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, which I actually started. Sorry, I forgot to start it a little bit ago. Uh, where you'll find the links to the social media sites where we simulcast the show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You'll find the links to the podcast, which, of course, can be found anywhere that podcasts are, including our favorite, which is Spotify. And um, the Common Sense Core which is how you support the show. If you want to support the show, if you enjoy it, you want to get some extra treats and be part of a special Facebook group and and uh, chit-chat and uh, extra swag and everything else, Common Sense Core is where you go at michaeldukeshow.com to get it all squared away. Uh, that And, of course, also broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite FM translator and or radio station. We're broadcasting across the state of Alaska. Um, it's open line, open form today. Any topic is fair game, and so we're going to uh, we're going to run the gamut here. We finally got a phone call. I thought the call. I thought the phones may have been broken for a minute, uh, but we're going to go over here now. Brady is in Las Vegas. It should be interesting to see what he has to say this morning. Let's get the take. Good morning, Brady. What is on your mind? Oh, I've got plenty of things on my mind today, but. Um, I'm really not too happy with our government and the military. Okay. I'm, I'm asking your take on uh, uh, how they're doing in Ukraine. All the lies they've been telling us since 2014. And when are we going to get out of NATO, that rotten satanic organization that's invading the Ukraine right now? Well, the only organization invading the Ukraine right now is the Russian military. NATO is not invading the Ukraine. We not are wrong. We okay. Cite your sources, Brady. It was. It's only an invasion. It's only an invasion. Okay. How many bio labs did they go in there and bust right now, Vladimir Putin? I don't know. About fifty-eight bio labs that our government was doing. Okay. 
to make more bioweapons like the COVID jab to kill everybody. Okay. Brady, uh, cite your sources. My sources? Yes, yeah, cite. Are God. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, I guess a, a, a good source for some. I'd like a little more earthly sources. I, I, I really would. So, um, thanks for your call. Uh, I told you it would be interesting. It would be very, very interesting. Uh, all right. Um, phone number to call if you would like to offer a counterpoint to that argument. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. It is open line, open form. If you're just joining us in hour one, we talked about the censure of uh, Representative David Eastman. And we just finished talking about the speech uh, that um, the fiery speech, as some say, uh, that uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski gave to the legislature yesterday, um, where she told them to stop screwing around with the PFD. Uh, of course, again, the implications uh, of that, the unsaid uh, portion of that was uh, just, you know, I think use the PFD for big ideas. Take it and use it for government spending and get it off the table and stop squabbling about it. That's kind of what I took away from that. Um, while I agree with her that we need to stop fighting over the PFD, I totally disagree with her on what we should do to stop fighting over the PFD. It's a hot, 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 hot mess. All right. Uh, so anyway, feel free to give us a call today. It is open line, open form. There's not much other there's not much else really happening um, around the state of Alaska uh, this morning uh, or last night. Um, the uh, I, I guess the only other big news that I would say is going on, uh, of course, if you're living in Anchorage and uh, this show does not broadcast on terrestrial radio in Anchorage, but we do get like a hundred thousand podcast listeners ever 100,000 podcast downloads every year. So there's a chunk of folks who are listening in in Anchorage today. I mean, there's a whole slew of things going on in Anchorage. I mean, the latest headline, Mayor Bronson asks for gag order against fire director as new lawsuit is filed against the city in the federal court. I mean, this again is just like a modern day soap opera. It's just like one thing after another uh going on there. So we could talk about that a little bit if you want. I I could care less about that. Uh, it is official down on the uh, peninsula. The final numbers are in, and it's going to be Mayor Peter Machiki for the win. The Of course, the Kenai Peninsula Borough had held a special election on Valentine's Day to fill the position left when former Mayor Charlie Pierce resigned to concentrate on his run for governor. And it looked like, as of election day, that Machiki was the winner. But he did need to get uh, 50% of the vote or more to avoid uh, a runoff. And uh, on the 21st, the borough assembly certified the results, and he still held over 50%, so he is the winner. Now, he's going to serve through the rest of Mayor Pierce's remaining term. And that means it will go into, uh, I guess, October. If he wants to hold the job for three more years, he'll have to run again in October 
when the regular election is scheduled. So congratulations to the people on the peninsula. You've got a new mayor. Hope it works out for you guys. Hope it's all good. I hope you are all satisfied and happy with that. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens in October, because apparently all four of the candidates or five, if there was a, there was a write into all of the candidates expressed an interest in rerunning in the fall for the full seat. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll see what happens then. Maybe, maybe they won't be excited about that job at that point. I don't know. Okay, let's uh, continue ahead here. We're taking phone calls and we're talking about stuff. I do have some good news up in the hopper because we all need some good news, right? I mean, we don't, it's, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. It doesn't have to be. Let's go over to the phones, though, first and see what you have to say. We start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What is on your mind, sir? Well, just a little earlier, you were worried that maybe your phones weren't working, and Brady just now tested your out-of-state line, so I thought I'd call in and test your in-state lines. I guess it's working. <laughs> and uh, as far as my subject matter, well, I guess I'll just go have to be a broken record again, but uh, commenting on what um, Murkowski, Senator Murkowski, was saying about the PFD and the logjam that sometimes occurs regarding that subject, um, I think, as I've said before, you know, in your chat room and everything, that the answer is quite simple to get rid of that uh, taking, quote, taking away all the oxygen out of the room thing, and that is just the two PFD idea that I've harped about. Uh, one PFD is similar to the original 1980 statutory PFD that we used to have that favored long-term residence, and my second part of that is to modify the currently used 1982 PFD so that the argument flips instead of having the argument of how much are we going to cut, which is always very painful and very contentious and very sad and everything, we should have the argument every year, how much are we going to increase it? And the way that is accomplished is to simply modify the 1982-style PFD, the one that we currently use, such that it has a fairly low base level that can always be paid out. And then there's an expansion clause, as I've called it, built right into the statute that says that if there is a budget surplus, the PFD shall be increased above the uh, base level so that the argument and the discussion is always, well, how much can we increase it? And so whatever they come up with will always be a happy, a happy dis- discussion. Well, uh, you, I, yeah, I know you've talked about this in the past, and we pointed out the uh, the constitutional problems with it and everything else. And then I've pointed out the fact of your expansion clause. You know, if there's a surplus, they'll pay that out. The problem is, Randy, is that there's never a surplus. Even when they had so much money last year that they didn't know what to do with it all, they did find a way to spend it. They found a way to spend it all. It created the largest budget in state history. Um, so the idea that somehow... They will be incentivized by creating, uh, by, you know, executing some kind of expansion clause to pay back people or to pay people a larger portion of the dividend. Um, I think naive is the word that I'm looking for, Randy. I mean, I think your heart is in the right place. But I think, again, it's like, uh, you know, giving a a person who's got a bad shot, who's a shopaholic, a bad spending habit. It's like giving them another credit card and saying, you know, you be good. Make sure you don't spend to the limit on this card. I know you're a shopaholic, but here's a credit card to go 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 to town with. It just it doesn't make any sense from that perspective. I mean, but I I mean I appreciate your enthusiasm for that idea. I really really do. 
Let's uh, continue ahead. We'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yes, good morning, Willie Keppel and Cornhawk. Good morning, Willie. What's happening out there in the bush? Well, I thought maybe we could change the direction since it's wide open here. I'm getting tons of feedback. Um, right now we have the Board of Fisheries happening, and bycatch is front and center for everybody's thoughts out here where we have no fish, basically. I mean, the fish has really gone downhill from what it used to be 30 years in all the, all the rivers. And, and of course, Area M, and for people that don't know what Area M is, Area M is like if you were in Kiski with a barge of fuel and you needed to go to Nome, Alaska, you take off from Nikiski and you shoot down out of Cook Inlet and you go down around the Alaska Peninsula all the way to the bottom and as soon as you start coming through the islands down there that is Area M and you come through a place called False Pass and it's an intercept fishery and right now everybody is upset we we people up here fight Area M intercept it's it's a nasty word if you're a subsistence fisherman. It's a great word if you're a commercial fisherman. But the problem is, is Area M on the peninsula only has like three little rivers that have maybe a grand sum total of maybe a thousand king salmon that go up them to spawn. That's that's their grand sum net of king salmon, yet they hammer the ever-living dickens out of them down there. Our fisheries are in a major bind up here, and so what's transpired along with the Board of Fisheries, and it just seems to coincide with it, and we just had a meeting here, the U.S. Federal Fish and Wildlife is now trying to take over, or at least holding the hearings to take over the bottom portion of the Kinnictock River in Quinnahawk, which is state-controlled. You, me, right. we control it. Our state fishing game controls it. And the way they're trying to go about this is they have the native village of Quinnahawk's uh, tribal council has a few really radical young people that are all hooked up with Lisa uh, with uh, Mary Peltola and and her husband Buzzy Buzzy ran the wildlife National Wildlife Refuge in Bethel for a couple of years Mary got appointed by her husband to run the intertribal fisheries to control the Kuskokwim River and the Yukon River the lower portions and it's it's it was a nepotism hire and it's 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 a really hot subject out here right yeah. now but the long and the short of what they're trying to do is they're trying to a few radical people are trying to do this government to government negotiation from tribal government to federal government to take control of areas and lock them up and instead of going from tribal in Quinnahawk to the state government to Alaska, state of Alaska over the fish. What the big beef on the fish is, have guide outfits that come in here, they fish with flies, they turn their fish loose. Um, 
the only fish they ever keep are red salmon. They never ever keep a king. But what we have, our problem that's killing our fishery on these two rivers, we have Kanicktok and Aralik. What's killing our fish is the feds in all their wisdom. And when I say feds, I'm pointing both fingers right at, at the Peltolas because they were in charge of the Cusquin River and the Yukon have completely shut all subsistence fishing off on it. So that forced all the villages to travel as much as 250, 275 miles one way down the Kuskokwim and out into the Bering Sea to get right in front of our little rivers down here to just hammer the ever-living dickens out of King Salmon, and they pretty well wiped wiped out our run down here. Right. And so the big fight is on right now. There's a few radicals want to keep it wide open to subsistence with zero regulations, not even closures in between like when they used to commercial fish so that the fish could get to the river. What they want to do is they want to go, nope, we don't want any industry. We don't want anybody having a, having a job. We're just kicking you. You, you gussics, that's the word for white people, we're kiss, kicking you gussics out of here, and yet the, it, the industry has like 50 people coming and going each week, 100 people buying airline tickets to Quinnahawk just to fish, and all of the all of the money that's involved in running the guide camps coming in here for gas for right. everything else, I mean, it puts in a huge amount of cash into this place and keeps it afloat. Right. Well, we'll uh, but anyway, Willie, the long and the short is, is we have this. Uh, Willie, I'm sorry. Um, I'm coming up. I'm coming up. Board going right now. Willie, and I'm, they're not addressing the real problems. They need to be addressed. Willie, I'm sorry. I'm coming up on the break here. Uh, I'll hold on to you through the through the break. We'll talk here in just a second. But we are out of time for this hour or for this segment. We got to go. We'll be back in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, sorry about that, Willie, but you were getting, uh, you, we, you were not hearing me uh, with the cutoff there. I had to cut you off a little bit to talk about it. But uh, the biggest thing about this whole Area M discussion is, from what I've been reading, and I've, I've only been reading a little bit about it, is the fact that they're looking to put a few more restrictions on the commercials because it's about escapement, right? They're not getting enough escapement up the rivers to be able to fortify and allow the stocks to replenish. Am I, am I wrong on that? Is that, that's how I was reading it. Well, yeah, what there's two, there's two things that are at play here. One is the commercial fishing aspect and the other is the subsistence aspect, which the feds are trying to take total control of everything in the state. They want they want control of everything. We just here a week and a half ago, the governor just launched another lawsuit at the federal government because they tied up an area that goes all the way across the North Slope, wraps around the North Slope, comes clear down past uh, Hooper Bay, clear down almost to us, and it's it's 
a seal to protect seals. Well, even the feds say there's no problem with the seals. What it is is it's just more of this radical Secretary of the Interior trying to stop everything. And so now what they what what they've got in place is they committed this. They built this intertribal um, fisheries commission for the for the. Lower Cusquim. Well, it's the entire Cusquim, actually, and what whoever else wants to get into it, and it's people with zero zero degrees in biology. Um, the Fish and Wildlife Service in Bethel has not even had a fish biologist on staff in four years. Yet they're wanting to tell everybody you can't fish. We we know the fish numbers are down, but the only numbers they have to go off of are what the state's doing. And the state has tons of numbers. And so you have, on one hand, you have the feds have total control over all of the Bering Sea um, bypass trawl. They do nothing with that. That's a total rape, pillage, and plunder it, it, as far as the subsistence people up here look at it. Um, it's a huge it's huge business for the lower portion. See, this is all Senate District S out here, Lyman Hoffman's district. That's on Alaska, Dutch Harbor. And it's huge business. It's the number one fish port in America. And so you naturally you have a conflict of interest if you have it goes all the way to the Yukon where people are not even being allowed to catch a fish. Right, right. They, the feds have shut it down inside the Yukon. No fishing. You can't you can't catch a king salmon, you can't catch a chum salmon, you can't catch a no salmon, you know? So you have the feds trying to do this total control everything and trying to boot the state out, but yet the one place that Nobody wants to touch seems to be Area M, which the state has control of the waters, has control of when you can fish, how long you can fish, the lengths and depths of of nets. And they have three different types of fishing that happen in Area M down there, and they all overlap. But it's not a fish-producing area. It's just a place where they're forced, the fish are forced to swim between islands and to come from down south to come up the western coast and it's that's why it's intercept they can just slam dunk them when they get confined all these masses of fish get confined to having to swim in between the islands so the people that are getting squeezed the hardest are the poorest people in the state and that's the right. villagers out here that literally live on fish um right, nobody right. has a real idea i um, on how just how dependent people are out here on it, and I'm not talking Bethel, and I'm not talking Dillingham. Um, those are those are two different two different entirely different aspects of life out here. One might as they're just suburbs. They're they're suburbs by jet from Anchorage, Dillingham, and Bethel. Right. Um, villages are entirely different aspects. People are poor. Yeah. They live well, on fish. All right. And if they don't get fish, Willie, I gotta, then you have a problem. Thanks so much for your call. Here we go, The Michael Duke Show. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. 
Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. All right. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, Hour two of the big radio show continues. It is open line, open forum. We just finished up with Willie, who was talking to us uh, about things going on down on the uh, western coast of Alaska. I mean, there's a big discussion going on now about the fisheries in in, uh, in Area M. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I understand it completely, although I do know that uh, when you allow a tremendous amount of uh, intercept of fish who are on their way back to spawn up the rivers uh, by commercial fishermen uh, who have got, uh, you know, are much more efficient at plucking fish out of the sea than your average subsistence or sport fishermen, um, you know, you can put a stress on a uh, on a uh, uh, a species of fish or a, a group of fish uh, that go back to a specific area to spawn. And I know it can be problematic. And uh, I know that, you know, when you've got subsistence fisheries that are shut down in many of these areas and those uh, villages and communities are dependent on subsistence uh, fishing to, you know, feed their families throughout the year and everything else, that that's a problem. Um Maybe we should get uh, maybe we should get some guests on to talk about this with some uh, with some more uh, in depth information and intelligence on it because again, like I said, I know very little about it other than what I've just read, but it definitely seems problematic. We seem to continue to have this problem in the state of Alaska where we um, we don't have that long term vision, not just in fiscal policies, but in some of our wildlife and biology management policies where. We're not looking at the long-term, uh, the long-term solution of it. Uh, you know that we need to make sure that these fisheries and these, uh, you know, these stocks of fish continue to be able to grow and reach that sustainable level to where we could still harvest it, but we're not damaging the fishery uh, in and of itself and causing low runs and returns, and then allowing Alaskans to not have access to their own. I mean, there's a, there's a clause in the constitution that says that the resources of the state, which include fish and wildlife, uh, should be, should be used to the maximum benefit of the people. Now there's always been an argument as to where, you know, what does that maximum benefit mean? Well, the legislature and their evident wisdom means the biggest amount of money to state government that's possible so that they can spend it. Um, Other people have interpreted it to mean that all people have access to the resources of the state in a way that makes sense to them. And if fisheries uh, are needed for survival, I would argue that that probably makes the most sense that Alaskans have access to their fisheries and to their wildlife and to those resources for sure. Um, But like I said, I am no expert on that subject and uh, would need to get more information down the road. All right, let's uh, continue on. We'll go back to the phones. It's open line, open form. Any topic is fair game. Could be politics, could be fisheries, could be movies, could be whatever you want to talk about. Let's uh, let's get back into it. Uh, let's go over here and see who's up next. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Carlene from District. Um, this might tie in with what you're talking about right now is food security, and the governor has mentioned this, the legislators, even the write-in candidate for Kenai Borough Mayor, 
mayor has talked about food security, and I had no idea what they were talking about. But in yesterday's Kodiak newspaper, there was an article about the food security, and the food banks are down in Juneau, representatives. It sounds like the food banks are empty and they're broke. And um, there are 80,000 Alaskan families on the SNAP program. So I don't know what this is all about, but the article, I'm not sure if it was the Alaska Beacon or the Tribune. I've already thrown my yesterday's paper away. So I don't know where the news source was from. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I you know, I agree that we should, uh, you know, that all these things should be working together. If there's one thing that we should be, uh, that, you know, I think the government is is necessary for. It is for taking care of the indigent, the elderly, the crippled, you know, folks who uh, can't provide for themselves. Um, I just get real questioning about whether or not it needs to be for everyone. I mean, we've got a we basically created a welfare state here in the state of Alaska. Um, and, uh, you know, we're th- over 30, 35 percent of the people are on one form of welfare or another in the state. And that is not indicative to, you know, to good order and to a long-term fiscal plan because those numbers continue to go up. And though even if the numbers stayed stable, the cost to the people who are already on the programs continue to go up. So it's a problem, um, uh, you know, in this state for sure. We have become a dependency state instead of an independent state, which is what we were originally. All I can think of is that there were big food stamps with the COVID money, and now it's not there. So now they're having to process 80,000 applications to get them down to what they were on food stamps before COVID. That's just one thought that came. No, you're right. I mean, the expansion of welfare uh, in part because of COVID has contributed to it. And uh, I mean, that's I, I agree. I think that that stuff needs to be restricted and pulled back. They should be able to process it and get through it. Um, But I think that the strictures and the standards on that kind of stuff should be a pretty high bar. I really do. I think it should, you know, and especially, and it should be a short-term solution. It should never become a welfare lifestyle. There should be a shelf life for that. You can do it for a set period of time. And then you need to move on and get your house in order and be able to, you know, feed yourself and do those kind of things. Or in some ways, like you mentioned, food pantries, et cetera, there needs to be some private sector solutions to some of that stuff as well. But, you know, what we looking, what we should be looking for is a hand up instead of a handout. And I know that's trite and true, but that's the problem. We should be looking for a way to raise people out of poverty and the welfare mentality, give them the opportunities uh, or train them to recognize the opportunities that are in front of them already. So there you go. Um, but uh, Carlene, I I, I I didn't go on. I didn't go on food. Um, but it would seem like these people should have bought uh, food, lots of food, you know, when they had it. Well, yeah. Again, lack of prior planning. Uh, lack of prior planning is part of that problem. Again, very short-sighted. And when you become a dependency state, that's part of the cycle is that you have no long-term vision in that, in those things. So the people who are part of that, they just expect that those magical food stamps are going to show up every month and they can just, you know, they, they, they don't have to plan ahead again, which is why we need, 
more uh, lifting up rather than handing out. That's what we need. You know, teach a man to fish. You feed him for a lifetime. You know, give a man a fish. You feed him for a day. It's always the day-to-day that we seem to be stuck in. And that's the problem, again. I'm not saying that we don't need to have a social safety net for people who can't provide, again, the crippled, the elderly, those kind of things. But we need to stop offering it to everybody. Buddy. People need to be able to pull themselves out. And yes, as Brian says in the chat room, churches are part of what the reason why churches got all these nonprofit status over the years is because the argument was they should be doing a lot of these things in the community like food banks and and helping out with housing and welfare and doing those things. The social safety net should not be just a governmental affair because we know that that's not the most efficient model. We know it for a fact that it's not the most efficient model. So it's... Um, it's definitely yes. yeah, definitely interesting stuff. Go ahead. It would seem that then if those were put in these other hands, it would be more judicious. Oh, I agree. It would be more fair or, um, yeah. you know, when it's your money, you, you really hold onto that nickel tight. You know, you're a penny pincher, you're careful. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I think that... Uh, private sector has is, you know, by its very nature, has that propensity because they have a finite amount of money. They can't just print money or ask for more. So they are generally more judicious with those things to begin with, which I think is why those social safety nets should be done by, uh, you know, private uh, industries, private entities, those kind of things. Uh, unfortunately, what's happened is we've created a welfare state uh, that not only caters to folks who probably don't need it, but also fosters and creators to nonprofits where they can go to the state with a handout and ask for more money. And they've created a whole industry of that in the state, which is problematic. That's for sure. So, um, all right, Carlene, thank you so much for calling in today. We appreciate you being part of it. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming on board and sharing your thoughts with us today. That leaves the lines open. If you would like to be part of it, give us a ring, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Feel free to jump in and uh, give us your thoughts on it. We'd love to hear what you have to say. we got some good news coming up next because couldn't we all just use a little bit of good news every now and then? Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. The Michael Dukes Show. Streaming live around the world. And really, really, really wanting some donuts this morning. Donut King in Wasilla, home to some of America's best donuts, just keeps getting better. They're proud to announce the return of their head donut baker, Jared, whose sole purpose at Donut King is making donuts great again. Veteran-owned and operated, making more than 70 varieties of handmade, hand-iced donuts fresh every day. And do not forget to stop in and get a King's Dozen for work or for your special event. 
Donut? See what I did. Donut King! Making donuts great again. 490 North Main in Wasilla, or find them on Facebook. Mmm. I just want some donuts this morning. I don't know why. Just want a donut in a big way. All right. Um, what else has everybody been talking about? Um, definition of insanity. Um, people either lauding or castigating uh, Randy for his continual pushing of the idea out there. What did Randy say? Randy actually, he had a, he, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I, I respect his tenacity. I keep repeating myself is the reason I keep repeating myself is to slowly increase understanding. For instance, Harold and Michael both don't seem to fully understand how my Hammond bond works. I say that because they both talk about it being unconstitutional. So it's my hope that they will eventually read my website and see why it is constitutional. Uh, okay. I mean, your, your, your belief that it is constitutional. I believe after reading about it and hearing you discuss it and talk about it, that it probably isn't. And I think it, uh, again, the, the Randy, with all due respect, the naivete to think that somehow, by giving, I mean, this is the argument that you had with me many years ago where you said, well, we just need to give them more money and then they'll be more responsible with it, which, no, it's just not going to work. <laughs> give them all the money they want and they will finally be responsible with it. No, that's just, that's not how it works. That's not how, that is not how that thing works, right? That's, the, you know, that's what's going on. Cypher on YouTube uh, says um, uh, he actually got a series of comments here. Plus, it simply creates a dependent citizen class who believes the government will always provide. Talking about the welfare dependency state and everything else. Uh, he said, we used to have social safety nets prior to the welfare state. And he's right. That's what the churches and a lot of these organizations were about. But slowly but surely, those those things have been subsumed by the government and you know taken over. He said private entities also have the choice to cut people off if they're continuing to destroy their own lives. And that's the truth. Government feels like it has a responsibility or their mission statement says that they have to do whatever it is. They got to take care of it. We have created a welfare dependency state inside the state of Alaska and in the whole country, really. But Alaska is a prime example of it. When you have well over one third, something like 36 percent of all your citizens on one form of welfare or or another that's problematic 270 280,000 people in the state receiving some form of governmental assistance it's it's not sustainable period and as much as we'd like to make sure that everybody makes it and the cost of human lives and the things and the things and why don't you care? And I do care. But the problem is, is that the dependency is not it's a cycle. Herder just said cycle of dependency consequences. Yes, the, the dependency is a cycle. It becomes a cycle. And you're not allowing people to break out of that. You know, you make them comfortable. You make them so that they become dependent on those you know, government subsidies or handouts or sources, and they're not forced to stretch and grow to create or to provide for themselves. That's part of the problem. In my humble opinion. Period. 
Okay. Um, I'm ready for some good news. You, you too. I'm ready for some good news. Um, throw up your thoughts on this. Um, is that, uh, you know, feel free to (laughs) cipher. Oh man. He says, of course, you're jumping around the core of the issue, which is that most people are not willing to let people die. I mean, I don't want anybody to die, but I want people to be responsible for themselves. And I don't believe that it is my responsibility unless, again, they are the elderly, the crippled, the handicapped, people who can't take care of themselves. I believe that, you know, I can, you know, I we should offer some help in those regards. But anything else, it's not that I want people to die. It's that I want them to be responsible for themselves. Now, if that means that some people do die because of, you know, it's like this stupidity factor, right? The the uh, the Darwinism kind of theory. If that, if that doesn't happen, then it is what it is. We can't be all things to all people. You just, we can't. Okay, um, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show, proudly splitting the left versus right uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I had to look that word up too. I don't think it means what he thinks it means. There he is though, that guy, Michael Dukes, the one with the show. Well, thank you, snarky voice guy. I appreciate that. It is the Michael Duke Show. One final segment of the show today. What are we talking about? Well, we've been kind of all over the map today. Uh, we just kind of finished up talking about the cycle of dependency that we've created in this state and, um, you know, some of the problems that that, that creates. Um, we have a, I mean, we have a, we have a real issue. Uh, we have some real, we've got some real issues in this state where we've created, a, and, and again, dependency is a cycle. And by creating more programs and more people and putting more people on these programs, you're creating a cycle of dependency that requires them, unless you put factors in place that give them only a short period of time to get their act together so that they can get back on track. You know, there you go. That's just kind of the whole thing. I do have some good news as well. I got some good news stories that I want to get to, but I also want to let your phone calls reign supreme. So we do have another caller on hold. We'll uh, we'll do that before we jump back into the good news. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. This is Mike from Fairbanks. How are you? Good, Mike. What's on your mind? Uh, I actually agree with Lisa Murkowski for once, uh, rare, rare time here. Yet she uh, she wants to push forward that Willow project up on the North Slope, and I, I am all for it. Uh, but we have a congressman down in Arizona. His name is Raul, Raul Grijalva. He sent a letter to Deb Holland, a echo terrorist that's running the Department of Interior now. She's native. He doesn't want to push it through, even though uh, George Edwardson, he is the Anupiat, um, he is the president of the community of the Arctic Slope, and Harry Bauer is the mayor, 
And Rex Rock is the president of the Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. They represent 15,000 natives up in, in that area on the North Slope, and they're all, they all want to push this through, this project. It will put in uh, about 200,000 barrels of oil through the pipe a day, and it will add 17 billion, up to 17 billion, to the federal coffers. And, and uh, I can't find anywhere what it's going to give to the state, but it will uh, create immediately 2,500 construction jobs, union, and also 300 permanent jobs. But uh, this Blowhart down in Arizona, he's, uh, he's the head of the Progressive Caucus with AOC. Right. And he's the ranking member on the House Natural Resource Committees, and he's begging Deb Holland, uh, who is a convicted eco-terrorist, she spiked a log, killed a logger, and then Obama uh, commuted her sentence, and then Biden made her the head of the Department of Interior. And this is BLM land up there they're going to be drilling on. So anyway, I just wanted to get some facts out there, Mike. Uh, the 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 people up on the North Slope want it. It's going to help them out, and I think it would be a great shot in the arm uh, for Alaska. We need it. We need it up here, and uh, you know the, the, everybody's in bad shape. It seems like, and I think it would be a good thing. No, I mean I agree. I think it would be a good thing uh, for the state. I mean we are a resource state, and we need to have our resources. Um, you know, produced and uh, and harvested. I mean, that's what we need to do. I would agree with that. And I think uh, regardless, I don't think it would put a lot of money into the state coffers because it's on federal land. But I think at the same time, it would, uh, as you say, benefit communities and with jobs and things like that. I think we need to continue to uh, develop our natural resources. And I, I agree with you, Mike. I think that's a good idea. Thank you for your call. Uh, we support the Willow Project here as well. Let's go over to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? G-Man calling from Fairbanks. Good morning, sir. What's on so, your mind? Uh, Michael, have you, have you seen a lot of illegal aliens around Wasilla, Anchorage area? Because they're all over Fairbanks, and it's, it's, uh, it's going to put a big burden on the state of Alaska because when the, they're carrying around these uh, – I don't know, credit cards, EBT cards. And uh, <clears throat> once that federal money runs out for them, what, is the state going to take it over? You should, you should ask some of your legislators that, you, that come on your show um, if they're planning on doing something about sending them to uh, Martha's Vineyard or, uh, you know, maybe Washington, D.C. Uh, I have not seen a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't, first of all, I don't know how I would necessarily recognize an illegal alien right off the bat, but uh, I have not seen an increase of uh, people that I would consider to be uh, illegal aliens. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yes, when the federal dollars do run out for people who are uh, on food stamps of one form or another, whether they're illegal or permanent residents, um, there is going to be some problems. People are going to have to figure out how to make it work. Um but I don't know how you would pick out people who are illegal based just on walking by them in the street. Well, uh, my buddy's, uh, my neighbor's dad drives a cab and he, he carts them all over Fairbanks. Uh, he says there's massive amounts of them and okay. I see them on, you know, I see them all over too. Um, 
So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, mention it to your legislators that you interview and just to see. I mean, I'm sure they know about it. Okay. Um, All right. Anyway, well, thanks for the thanks for the show. Thanks, G man. Appreciate you calling in uh, and joining us today. Um, all right. Uh, I want to get over to, um, I want to get over to the good news because, you know, there's some, there's some good news stories right now that we need to get to. I, I guess first and foremost, I guess my com my, my comment still stands on what we were just talking about. I don't know. How do you, how do, how would you define, I mean, how would you know, how would you recognize somebody who's illegal? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, good news. The good news. What do we got? I got a couple stories here. Uh, first and foremost, this is cool. Um, and it just proves that uh, I guess high school is still is not all bad, right? High school is not all bad. Uh, headline reads, Tennessee students create robotic hand for new classmate. He says they changed my life. Attending a new school can be a difficult challenge for any student. But fortunately for one 15-year-old in Tennessee, he found a group of innovative students who changed his life. Sergio Peralta started the new school year at Henderson High School in Tennessee with a secret, a hand that wasn't fully formed. He said in the first days of schools, he said, I honestly felt like hiding my hand, like nobody would ever find out. But a teacher in the school's engineering program did find out and told Peralta that his classmates might be able to help out. He said, they ended up offering me like we could build your prosthetic hand. And he said, I never expected it. He goes like never in a million years. With access to online models and a 3D printer, the group, which didn't even know if their plan would work, hit a home run. Using the prosthetic, Peralta is now able to catch a baseball with his right hand for the first time. He said, they changed my life. And that is super cool. There's another story here uh, a few months ago about a guy, uh, a group of guys who, I don't know if they started off as biohackers or not, but they basically are out there in the part of the, th the craft community and the, the 3D printing community. And they have been creating uh, prosthetics for people at a fraction of the price. And in fact, they've been innovating and utilizing and, and going beyond just like mechanical prosthetics where you use your own, the movement of your hand or your forearm to close a hand or whatever. They're going into the, you know, they're doing using sensors and things like that to, you know, to get muscle impulses and doing, and they're providing hands to people for cheap like dirt, most prosthetics are in the tens of thousands of dollars, and they are getting this stuff for people for hundreds of dollars. And uh, it's quite an amazing thing to see how technology can be used in that way and to make people – and it's being done at the private, one-on-one, -on -one person, entrepreneurial level. It's, it's just fascinating, and it is uh, – it's really heartening to see. Uh, the other good news story for today is the story – of Bailey. Bailey is a rescue dog. He found, uh, uh, she found herself lost in her own new neighborhood. She was adopted by a family in Upper El Paso back in January. And one day she got out 
and her family went to social media to try and find help locating her. They contacted the shelter that they had rescued Bailey from, the El Paso Animal Rescue League, who posted pictures of her on Facebook with the news that urgent this beautiful girl Bailey has gotten loose in the area around Mason and Sunland Park. But see, Bailey didn't really need any social media help. Bailey had a trick up her sleeve, or her fur, as the case would be, that would make rescue efforts much, much easier. She walked herself 10 miles right back to the Rescue League's front door in Cantonillo and rang the bell with her nose. At 1.40 a.m., the surveillance camera on the doorbell caught the image of Bailey ringing the doorbell with her nose. She said, these dogs, uh, the Rescue League's founder said, these dogs are smarter than people ever give them credit for. How did she know what direction to go? She was 10 miles away. What did she eat and drink during those few days that she was away? The shelter team immediately got Bailey inside and shortly thereafter reunited her with her family. But dang, dogs are smart. I miss my dog. I miss my dog. Dang, dogs are smart. That's some, that's some, that's some good stuff right there. Let's play the right music, shall we? All right. Well, that's it for today. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. I'm ready to go and uh, get things rolling. Can't wait. Be like the good therapy session for the week. Good way to end out the week. Firearms Friday. Willie Waffle and all the folks and everything. It's going to be good. All right, my friends, we are out of time for today. Don't forget to come out and check us on Facebook and YouTube. Like and subscribe and do all that stuff. I appreciate it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, my friends, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you all coming in here and joining us. I hope the I hope the good news gave you a little bit of a warm fuzzy. Did for me. All right, my friends, we will see you tomorrow morning, bright and early. Thanks for being part of it. Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 